0: You are listening to a Core Awareness seminar by Liz Cook. Her website is www.coreawareness.com. That's C O R E awareness.com. Please note that Core Awareness is a trademark signature of Liz Cook, her workshops, seminars, books, and CDs. The information presented in the seminar is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose of the seminar is to provide information and to simply educate. The author and publisher shall have neither liability nor responsibility to any person or entity with respect to any loss, damage, or injury caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly by the information, suggestions, explorations, or exercises contained within the seminar or written in response to the seminar. The author is not a medical authority, and she is not qualified to diagnose or prescribe any therapy. The information is simply her personal opinion. Please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.
1: Hi, this is Liz Cook at Core Awareness. And I have the privilege today of having a conversation with Tom Myers, who is the author of Anatomy Trains and uh, Myofascia Meridians for Manual and Movement Therapists. And Tom, I want you to introduce yourself, how you would like people to, to have that in terms of, I know you're a roller, but you're so much more than that, so how do you define yourself?
2: Well, I was originally trained as a roller, and now I have my own school of Structural integration, which is the generic now for what used to be called Rolfing, since Rolfing is a brand name of the Rolf Institute, but um, still working in the, still very interested in and working in the realm of structure and movement um, as an entire gestalt rather than as a series of parts that somehow work together like a machine um, is how we've been usually thinking of the body. So the anatomy trains was an attempt to find a middle ground between we're sitting here in California, this kind of California idea. Well, everything's connected to everything else. Um, And it's true. Everything is connected to everything else, but it just leaves you in a very nebulous or even vacuous world, if that's what you say. Um, Because if everything's connected to everything else, it gives me no strategy, no way of entering the system and working meaningfully in it somebody comes in with a shoulder problem, should I be working on the big toe? Should I be working on their wrist? Should I be working on their neck? There's no map if everything is equally connected to everything else. So however true that may be, it's just not terribly useful. But clearly the kind of mechanical, the biceps goes from here to here, and therefore if we took everything else off the skeleton but that one muscle, and imagined what that one muscle would do, um, that's... An explanation, that's the explanation that we've been looking at the muscles for 500 years um, since Vesalius, but it actually leaves out a great deal, which we can talk about later if we want to. But um, the anatomy trains was a way of seeing how the muscles were linked up almost like links of sausages, um, and um, therefore how they functioned as units through the body to produce Particular stability, particular strain transmission, um, that seemed to me a useful kind of halfway point between the everything is connected to everything else and the particulate break everything down to its tiniest component part argument.
1: And um, just so for people who haven't um, explored your work much, how, what's your website?
2: The website is anatomytrains.com. With no imagination at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Okay, and this is Liz Cook, and my website is Core Awareness, and I'm the author of the SOAS book, and Core Awareness, um, Enhancing Pilates Exercise and Dance, and some other things. Um, And so my focus for 30-some years has been one aspect of the wholeness of being, um, and I do feel that it's an entrance point into wholeness, which is um, the midline. And I focused on the psoas um, in particular. And Tom, your background is very involved in the psoas. And so we're here to have a uh, conversation about soas from two points of view, and yet from this holistic point of view, because I think we're on the same same place, that we recognize that everything is interconnected. And so to me, your work isn't um, in any way um, different from mine in terms of your thinking strategies of, of what wholeness is. And you bring an element that I would like to encourage people to really explore, which is uh, the myofascial world, and and you articulate it really well in your book, and the comprehensiveness of, and complexity of the organism. And articulating that nothing is separate. And so the scalpel creates
2: the separation. Yes, um, having spent a lot of time in the dissection lab with the scalpel, um, I am more than ever uh, convinced or it's been demonstrated to me that the way we think about anatomy is absolutely determined by the fact that we came after the body with a scalpel words, we divided. That's what a blade can do, is divide one thing from another. And in this process of division, uh, we obscured connections, and we obscured things that uh, need now to come back into the picture. we really explored the dividing everything uh, way of looking at stuff uh, to the nth degree, and we've really gleaned what wisdom we can glean out of that particular point of view. It's not a wrong point of view, it's just that it's limited point
1: well, and that's what I say when I talk about the soas, because um, because people approach the human body from looking at anatomy and and dead anatomy. Um, we're we're looking at an understanding of a living system from looking at what is dead. And in doing so, um, the the way it's been done before in looking at anatomy, the the soas in particular doesn't fit in what I would call the biomechanical model. It, it hasn't fit. So I had to find some other model. Um, and I did stay in that model for many years, trying to understand the soas within that. And I just finally realized it doesn't fit. It, as you said, there's nothing wrong with that model, but it's a limited model. And so I had to open my lens to uh, be, more, be more inclusive and to look for a different model. So I went with the embryonic model, and I'm not an embryologist, but but it gave me a motif. Uh, and we were talking about kind of, you mentioned in your book that you came from an artistic kind of perspective of, of body in the sense of you kind of, even though you're extremely well skilled in um, your education of body, you said something kind of sweet about yourself in regard to, oh, you know, I kind of take artistic license, or I can't, I don't remember what the quote was. And, and, um, and I come purely from that place. Literally, I was a, a, sculptor, a sculptor instructor at the Boston Museum School of Fine Arts. So, so I literally come. But what I brought to the sculpture world was um, flexible and holistic concepts. It was conceptual art that I, I brought there in the 70s. And so I do come from that perspective. So I'm not trained as you are. And yet we have some places where I think we're going to find that we
0: have mutual well I uh, yes
2: I, yes i'm sure we are um i don't think either of us are uh, i i guess in this conversation i'm going to be painted into the science corner but uh, the i'm not really a scientist i didn't start that way i was trained by iderall way back when um in the, in the mid-70s and uh, i've been working that way and i'm really self-taught as an anatomist i've taken anatomy courses i've certainly been in the dissection lab, um, There are just tons of people who know much more about anatomy than I do. I have really been impressed that art, science, and craft are three things that should not have been separated in the first place. They do get separated. Um, And art and science really... uh, Alfred uh, Lord Whitehead um, talked about this at the beginning of the century, that science and art simply went two different ways because you couldn't use imagery to describe science accurately so the scientists said hell with you poets and uh, went off to describe their own things in their own way but uh, we we talk about electrical current as if current were flowing through the wires like water that's not how electricity works Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as everybody started talking about electricity flowing through the current the engineers kind of wash their hands of us all as poets because we were, weren't were describing things accurately. And the atom looks like a solar system in the current modern, you know, um, everyday, everyday everyday, depiction of the atom. Well, the atom is nothing like a solar system. Uh, so the scientists have kind of gone off in their own realm. And I, I do think that this is a one-century thing. I think this, in this century, art, science, and craft will come back together. Um, it was a temporary split.
1: Art well, good. So maybe this conversation we can engage in that bringing it all together. Yeah, that um, would be a great idea. Yeah. So, you know, I call myself a somatic educator. Uh, you know, I'm working uh, from experience and exploration and sensory awareness, and so that's how I come to the SLS um, as an important aspect of entering wholeness in oneself. Mm-hmm. And um, why?
2: Why particularly? Did you have a choice as to what you might have chosen as the kind of? You're, you're taking this so as as the image of the whole.
1: No, I'm not actually. What I'm I'm taking it as as an entry point to the whole. Okay. And so, as an entry point, I, I would say now I would take the midline as the entry point.
2: What do you mean by midline? Let's get that. up. Yeah. First.
1: So so in a very simple way, I think of the primitive streak, the, the beginning of life in our organism. And as I said, I'm not an embryologist, but, but I've, I've gotten a few tidbits from them. And what, what I like as a motif, as an idea, as a creative idea of somatic awareness, is that as an organism, we began whole as a cell, and the division in our system began to track in a line. And that line, or that what we want to call a norticord, or primitive streak, or whatever that that scientific or artistic imagery might be yep. is that we're organized around a midline and that everything else emerges from that midline.
2: Okay, so there you're very much on the same line as Ida Roth and you're on the, very much on the same line as the biodynamic craniosacral people who have everything coming from that kind of upward flowering from the tailbone toward the head along that along that midline. So.
1: So, from that perspective, um, I see the psoas not attaching to the spine, but growing out of the midline.
2: Okay. So, it grows out of the midline on either side. On each side, yeah? Yeah. I, I find it interesting where the body goes to oneness and two-ness. Yes. So, yes, me too. there's one brainstem, but there are two hemispheres. Mm-hmm. There is one occipital lobe, but there are two eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go down through the, not to take, make this too long, but if you go down through the throat, there's one voice box, there's one heart, mm-hmm. there's one gut, mm-hmm. um, one liver. And where you get to is at the kidneys. Yeah. Um, so, the, well, for me, the kidneys and the thighs are very, very intimately related. Um, yeah,
1: let's talk about that.
2: Well, I don't have the. I can't show you a picture on a recording like this, but um, we just did a dissection of what I call the deep front line. Um, what I call the core line, actually. We, mm-hmm. All these different definitions of core that we have floating around, but for me, the core is the deep front line and goes all the way from the inner ankle to the tongue uh, in one thing, and I've dissected that several times out as one piece, um, and including the psoas. But when you uh, dissect the psoas. If you, as you take the kidneys away, you are taking the fascia off the front of the psoas. You cannot, yeah. you, you either leave a piece of the kidney fascia. Um, so the, the kidney fascia and the psoas fascia are so intimately related. And um, obviously, the kidneys are regulating our fluid balance, all kinds of fluids. Balance and, that,
1: and, and that whole expression to me is part of what
0: I would call a survival response.
2: Absolutely, kidneys are one of your most ancient organs. You had kidneys long before you had a circulatory system. To um, you had a heart before you had blood vessels.
1: And I'm the saying- earliest, and the earliest, the earliest spine is, I understand, is the sea squirt, which is about four point five billion years old. It's the first primitive spine. So that's an interesting concept because, as a primitive spine, it developed. Our spine developed not on land but in water.
0: Yes. So in the fluid
1: a, system. So going back to the kidneys as representing fluid, um,
0: say in Chinese. Well, uh, five um, elements. Yeah, the that uh, idea of fluid. Embryo. As an, element.
2: an embryo is 98% water. Right. And we're about 90% water when we're born, and spend a lot of our lives at about, about 75% water. It depends on how fat you are, because there's not much uh, water and fat, so the percentage can change. Um, and the older you get, the drier you get.
1: Right. So my whole concept around the cell is how do we keep it plump and juicy and hydrated so that it's communicating well in its primal responses.
2: You'll get no disagreement
1: from me. On I that. know <laughs> we're on the same page. I know that. See, there's camaraderie here. So that's what my real interest is: is that I recognize that the organism maintaining it's the filet mignon, and you probably pronounce that better than I did. Uh, <laughs> so
2: well, filet mignon sounds so much better than cow as yeah.
1: Yeah, but so there we go. Okay, it it's the tenderloin. Mm-hmm. So you know what keeps that tenderloin juicy and supple, and that's where I deal with my premise of not manipulating the stuff.
2: Oh, okay, so now that there's the jump that
1: uh, we made a jump, but we can jump back. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> but
2: but but that's the jump I'd like to explore. Okay. Is what is it about keeping the psoas plump and juicy that takes it off the manipulative table?
1: It's primal responses. From my perspective, um, that the primitive response in the midline and that that deep core mm-hmm. okay is like a caterpillar. So if you take a caterpillar, I don't care what its cultural background is, I don't care where its region is, I don't care what its religion is, I don't care anything about where it is in the world, and you hold that caterpillar in your hand, mm-hmm. and you poke it, it will curl. Okay. And that's that's it. That's it.
2: Great. So the operative word in your description of the caterpillar was poke. And I would vigorously deny that what I'm asking people to do is poke people in the psoas.
0: No,
1: no, I'm not, okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that, although there are people who do poke the psoas. They trigger point it, and they use all kinds of, you know, direct, direct force on it. So when I, we, we could soften that word, we could say, you know, whatever, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is that I think with your system looking at the wholeness of the myofascia, you get a better response from, the, from this primitive core mm-hmm. because it's nonverbal. It's the reptilian brain. It can't do anything but do what it does in the sense that it's going to respond, I think, to all invasive basic, what it perceives as invasiveness, no matter how tender or, or whatever, that deep in oneself, as an organism, there is that response. And so it's not that you can't do that, you know, I'm not saying something horrible is going to happen if you do that. I'm saying that there's actually more conducive ways to entice and to invite the system to respond differently if you don't use invasiveness.
2: Okay. But again, the operative word in the one you just did was invasiveness. Um, I do hit on some words. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, it's it's it would be the core. Uh, it is a judgment. The, it would be the core <laughs> of, the, of the disagreement here, but I want to get to the you know to the essence of that. Yeah. If, uh For the for the fun of our listeners, um, and I want to just take a step back and say, why would we both um, be fascinated with one muscle for thirty years? It's obviously neither you nor I are exclusively interested in so um, as but. Um, why is that such a core? Why is it such an essential muscle? It connects the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's one of, you can argue for four muscles if you get really anatomy nerdy and technical, that connect the spine um, to the femur. Mm-hmm. But mainly it's the psoas and the um, piriformis in the back. Piriformis from the sacrum up to the greater trochanter and the psoas going from the lumbar spine to the lesser trochanter and crossing the hip. And one of the things that makes uh, our filet mignon different from uh, cow filet mignon is that in rearing up on our hind legs, the psoas comes right across the hip joint okay. front of the ball. And you actually don't see that in... in um, got one of those Feldenkrais skeletons that has the bungee cords that pulls the ball of the femur right up into the acetabulum because a regular skeleton with those metal um, hardware holds the ball away from the acetabulum and if you then put a psoas onto one of those regular classroom skeletons you don't get the you know, I'm going to use the dreaded word mechanics of the, of the psoas right in terms of the hip joint and uh, it goes right I've dissected this a number of times. I say this with great confidence. It goes, at least in a proper functioning person, right over the front of the ball of the hip. Yes. Yeah. And secures that um, ball in the back of the joint. And um, so misuse of the hip guarantees misuse of the psoas and the opposite way around. Okay,
1: used. so wait, before we go there, let's let's go back for a minute Yeah. to... Um, to why were we both so fascinated with it? Okay, um, uh, I'd like to challenge that I don't think psoas is muscle. So I, and y'all, and I, and now I'm kind of you know, keep going archaic here, I present
0: or or Antarctic is what, what's the word I'm talking about? Anarchic, yeah, anarchic. Am I anar? No, anachronistic. Um, no, uh, let's come up with some other words. Uh, okay, I, it, anyways, anyway. so I don't see the
1: the 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 anatomy has defined the psoas in our in our mental perspective. So it's a hip flexor. It's a you know, in other words, it ha- it's a muscle. We've defined it that way, but that's the compartmentalization that came out of the the reductionist thinking. So that as we took things apart, we had to kind of compartmentalize them. So we put certain things in certain boxes, so to speak. And the psoas became part of the muscle. And I and I but like chefs tell me, you know, gee, you know, filet mignon is like nothing off other tissue that we cook with, you know, or that we work with. It has a different texture, it has a different feeling, it has a different uh color.
2: It has a different taste.
1: And it has a different taste. Meaning. It has so I things. suggest that because we're using that model, once again, let's go back to that beginning idea of that we want to open the, the whole idea, the whole field, that as isn't like other tissue and that it's, I call it the messenger of the uh, midline, and that I think it's more like the tongue. It's, a, um, it's an organ of perception. Okay. So then it reframes how we might suggest um, exploring it or, or what is its message. And so once we look at what is its message, then that is where I go with how I work with it.
2: Okay. So you brought up the tongue. Um, and here I am getting painted into my scientific corner because that's the corner I'm going to fight. Um, the tongue is a muscle. We
1: a, define it as a muscle.
2: It's an organ of perception on its surface, and in its middle, it is highly muscular. Have you ever had tongue? Mm-hmm, I have. Yeah, it's yeah. very. Uh, yeah. It's very highly Game muscular. It is. It is. is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was my deli in London, but anyway, the uh, the they do it really fine, and exactly. you'd never
1: know it was a muscle.
2: <laughs> but they've already taken the sensory surface off the oh. tongue when they prepare it that way. Um, I would say there are three muscles that I think of in the body as being particularly physiological. And I'm going to have a hard time saying that the psoas is not a muscle. I'm really fine with the idea of saying that it's like a tongue, which is an exploratory muscle. I'm really fine with saying it's like a diaphragm, which is a physiological, more physiological than any other Mm -hmm. muscle because the psoas has the lumbar plexi in it. What other... The other muscle has autonomic plexi, and not even the scalenes have the autonomic plexi in them. So the tongue, the diaphragm, and the psoas, I'm happy to group those together as highly physiological muscles. Um, I would have a hard time keeping my hat on to the idea that the psoas is not a muscle. I'm easy with the idea that it's more than a muscle.
1: Okay, let's well, a go there. special kind of muscle. Okay, let's go there. A special kind it, of muscle.
2: Having dissected it, it really has a lot of muscular elements in it.
1: That, that's fine. And I, I'm fine with that. And I know one can use it that way. In other words, you can engage the psoas in certain ways, but you can also not engage it. So it brings me to an idea that I want to present, which is a neutrality to the tissue. And that might help with the understanding of why I choose not to manipulate or to Palpate. So,
2: in, I'm sorry, I don't understand your sentence. You choose not to palpate either? Right.
1: Okay. The so mm-hmm. Okay. So, in other words, I think uh, the further distance you are, the more uh, you're in resonance or capacity to actually influence the core rather than direct. I don't think the direct route is the best route. I'm not saying it's not possible. Yeah. I'm just okay. saying I don't think it's the best route. And so one of the reasons I think that is that if we take the functional part of the psoas, like so for example, on the m- mechanical model, you would say the psoas is a hip flexor because every all the tissue from the front of the body forward flexes the body, right? So therefore, the flexor box, am I correct about that? Is that why you define it as a flexor? Yeah. Okay. So, um, however, if you don't use that model, okay, we mm-hmm. just let that model go for a moment, mm-hmm. and we look at midline, as the as the center of our organism. Then I think of the psoas as 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 neutral.
2: Neutral neutral
1: Meaning it's not a flexor and it's not an extensor. Uh
2: huh.
1: I think of the tissue as neutral. I experience it as neutral. And so it's not doing what everybody thinks it's doing in that I mean it can. It can behave that way. But when you don't, uh, and when you, when it doesn't behave that way, it becomes a lot more juicy. It maintains its supple juiciness, which is what we originally talked about.
2: You're going to get no argument from me on that because uh, I, I might frame it a little bit differently. But
1: the... Well, tell me how you'd frame it because that would be good for, for people who are listening.
2: Okay, so the farther a muscle is from the joint, mm-hmm. the more effect it has on that joint. Okay, okay. so... If my arm, let's just take something simple like the biceps, if my arm is out straight, the tendon of the biceps is running quite close to the joint, Mm -hmm. to the axis of movement. Mm -hmm. So as I do a preacher curl and lift a weight with my arms, eh? Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
2: when I get my elbow flexed to 90 degrees, the tendon is at that point, the attachment point on on the bone, is farthest away from the joint. And therefore, the biceps has more power on the joint actually made these nautilus machines. They designed these machines so that you had an isotonic contraction. In other words, it was easier to lift the weight when the arm was straight, and easier to lift the weight when the fist was almost at the shoulder, but a little harder to lift the weight when it was out here. That was supposed to produce an isotonic contraction that's absolutely Crazy strange because you never use your arm that way and life isn't that way But I don't know what they are they were trying to produce an even toned muscle which would make us easier to eat I think but uh, not particularly more functional um, So now if we look at the size the size as I was saying before is right up against the ball of the femur mm-hmm. Yes, technically it's in front of the hip joint. So yes, technically it would be listed as a flexor and um, if you were to come with me into the world of palpating the psoas, if I have my client seated, mm-hmm. and therefore the lesser trochanter, the hip joint is at 90 degrees, and the lesser trochanter is away from the joint, and you put your hands in where the psoas is, and you ask somebody to just lift their foot off the floor. Mm-hmm. They're kind of using the psoas in the position a cow would use it, or a horse would use it in, in a four-legged mm-hmm. position. They're seating, Sitting up, but mm-hmm. uh, the leg is folded as, as you would be in a four-legged position. You can absolutely, if you that so as activating inflexion. Mm-hmm. And where I would absolutely agree with you is when you're talking about standing, walking, dancing, or anything with the hip fully extended, the psoas is not in a good position to be a hip flexor and it is in a very good position to be a neutralizer, a stabilizer, a modulator. I think um,
1: of it as a pendulum in terms of how it, oh, how it expresses
2: it. Absolutely, it's a pendulum. Because mo- too, too many people have modeled walking as something that happens from the hip down, and it's just—it's so obviously clear to anybody who really looks at this, just for more than five minutes, that the uh, pendulum of the leg starts with the twelfth rib, or the twelfth mm-hmm. thoracic vertebra. You can even argue higher than that, but mm-hmm. absolutely anatomically, the QL, the quadratus lumborum, and so to start at T twelve, and the twelfth rib. And That's where the pendulum begins.
1: And I actually think the pendulum begins. At- yeah, I, I, you know, I in been, terms of the expression so been, that it carries from the midline out. And so the psoas isn't the walking muscle, but it's the, it, it simply expresses that yeah. energy. And, and if you watch oscillation it, of the
2: heart, if you watch a cheetah go, you could make the argument that it starts from the bottom of the head. And, and,
1: mm-hmm, yeah, uh, at least higher. Definitely yeah. higher. <laughs> higher, going higher.
2: But just... <laughs> As an anatomist and just plain, just please take this on, you know, any person, any person looking at the anatomy and the biomechanics of the body at least has to admit that the leg starts not from the hip joint, but from the lumbar, the top of the lumbar.
0: Um,
1: Although the articulation of the hip, to me, is one of the ways that allows the proprioceptive of proprioception within the ball and socket joint that allows articulation of movement to initiate not walking, but initiate in the hip socket, freeze the psoas a lot. In other words, if someone is making a movement from the lumbar spine, as if their pelvis is part of the leg, rather than articulating, like rotating and, and uh, flexing and extending at the ball and socket joint. So mm-hmm. the articulation of the joint, to me, is one of the reasons we have psoas problems, is a lack of articulation in the ball and socket joint.
2: No problem with that. Too many people move the ball forward. The only place that the ball can move in the socket at all is forward. Um, people come to me and you know, kind of swing their hips around and say, oh, you hear that clunk in the back of my hip? It must be that my hip is shifting position in the socket. If their hip was shifting position in the socket, they would be a candidate for a hip replacement mm-hmm. this afternoon, not next week. Mm-hmm. Um your ball and socket it's very tightly held, but there is this slight move uh, because of the way the acetabulum is shaped, the ability of it to move forward, and the psoas, a properly articulated psoas, is keeping that, in my opinion, is keeping that ball back in the proper position in the socket.
1: Okay, so I'd like to go there a little bit because I want to go back to the idea of sitting and lifting the leg and feeling the psoas. Yeah. I, I understand... What I perceive happening there is that the psoas, because it's a pendulum, it never uh, shortens. So we call it an eccentric contraction. But to me, that's a ridiculous conversation because, because the word contract means to shorten. And I did not experience the psoas shortening. Um, it, does, it does fall back, which is so I'm agreeing with you. It falls back. Um, along the spine, mm-hmm. but it doesn't shorten like we think of shortening, like your bicep shortens. And so um, I worked you know, I worked with a, a Derek Stockton, who's a, a power lifter. Mm-hmm. And when I told him I didn't think the psoas was a hip flexor, he looked at me like, you know, yeah. Right. Two heads. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then he was doing a hang and pull up and mm-hmm. bringing his legs up to his chest. And I said, see how you can engage it that way, or don't engage it that way. You have a choice. You actually have a choice with the psoas. And when he let his psoas be neutral, it was not the psoas that brought the the leg up. It was the psoas that got out of the way to allow the hip flexors to bring leg up. Mm -hmm.
2: So where would you... So I
1: think of it as neutral. I do not think of it as a flexor.
2: Okay, so who would you qualify as a hip flexor then? What do you think he was using when he dropped his psoas back. Because because in my world, when the psoas tenses, it does come forward. When the psoas relaxes, it does fall back.
1: Oh, gee. Well, then let's go there, because that's really interesting. Um, I think, see, I, I don't experience it as falling back. I experience it as becoming more alive when it's... it's um, Like, for instance, let's, let's talk about... Um, you describe a lunge in your book really well, that the only way it could really happen, you could only stretch the psoas, as if, if the pelvis is, is neutral moving forward and squared and balanced. And, sure. Right? And I think most psoas problems come from sacroiliac joint dysfunction. In other words, there's, a, there's been, they've been torn or overstretched. And so the psoas, as a messenger of the midline, is being activated to substitute for ligamental dysfunction
0: or proprioceptive
2: dysfunction. Okay. And I would say that the only... I'm going to come from my... I, here we're going to be very much in, in agreement. Um, See, we really, I, think, this is I think the... Uh, I think the soas... I think most... Um, no, I'm going to come from the artistic... More artistic side here. I think most soas dysfunction comes from fear. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: it's a fear response. It's a fear response.
1: Yes. And, uh, but it's a fear response on lots of levels. So it could be... On the if you don't stand on your own two feet which happens when right when you have sacroiliac joint dysfunction then you don't stand on your own two feet and that's fear you know you're going to have a fear response because you could be cold you could be eaten you could yes. be mm-hmm. you know taken down you're not you know you're not you're not in harmony with the flow so to speak you know you're not in the vortex whatever you want to call it you're not in you know finding ground force reaction there's not you're not able to 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 be in
2: alignment. Absolutely, because we tend to revert with gravity. We tend to revert when we're scared. We go back to a lower level. It's a lower level of being. Uh, We go back towards a four-legged stance. We go back towards a baby's flexion. Uh, Parse it how you will. I just uh, the other day, um, my my love is sailing, and I was taking my sailboat away for the last sail of the season, and. uh, It's November in Maine, and uh, I was suddenly hit by a 40-mile-an-hour wind, and suddenly I was in a very dangerous, very cold, and um, frightening situation, and I had to fight to get control of the boat, and as I came out of the few minutes of absolute abject terror, um, while my boat was on its side and water was coming in, and once I'd gotten everything under control and came out, I realized that I was standing there with my hips flexed probably no more than 5 degrees or 10 degrees, but... The stance was that ha- of an absolutely frightened and scared person. Okay, that's so that's how that expressed itself. That's ex- yes,
1: and that's why I th- that's I think that's what the SOS does. It expresses that response. Mm-hmm. So there's to me there's two basic responses it expresses: Fetal or the the, the mm-hmm. primitive C, okay, mm-hmm. returning to the primitive C, which we we see in the embryo. We see you know we return to that. Yep. And so it's part of the falling response. So if you fall off the roof. You want to be in that primitive suit because if you don't curl, splat. I mean, you slap. <laughs> you probably don't get to tell the story about how you fell. Yeah. But if you curl, you create resiliency in the spine. You protect the organs and the proprioceptors of the you know, teleoceptors in the eyes and the mouth. Um, so you, it's a natural, it's a, it's an instinctive response that you don't want to interrupt Okay? You want that. Um, and startle is the other response. And which, you know, creates largeness in the body and creates, you know, activates all the flexor muscles so you can run fast and jump high. And, and so those two primitive responses is what I work with. Mm-hmm. And I help people go into those and actually complete that response in their system. Because what I think, what I see working with trauma is that we are... The, the system is very brilliant, it's very intelligent, and it's moving towards a completion of something.
2: Absolutely. And so every one of these emotional traumas is an unfinished, within and these traumas, I don't want to reduce it to one thing, but within all of these traumas is an unfinished movement.
0: That's right. I
1: agree there. So we're so what I'm looking for is just to complete the movement. And, mm. and one will be more powerful than the other. Both will be, you know there'll be something there for a person if they explore both positions. But if they actually go into, so for instance, I, an example, if somebody's in a car accident and, and they're hit from behind, there's a propulsion. That's a falling reflex. Mm-hmm. So they're falling. So they're going to activate that movement, but they have a seatbelt on, so they don't curl up. Mm-hmm. So then they end up with whiplash or they end up with whatever, low back pain or whatever going on. If you put them in fetal curl. And, and I work with some sound, and I work with a little jiggle movement or a little just a soft rocking. And they'll complete that. They'll come out. They'll track. The label track differently. They, they, they'll, they'll come to neutral. There's a neutrality that begins to appear in the midline. Mm-hmm. And that's the resolution. Yes. There on, it is.
2: Got no quarrel with that at all.
1: Okay. So there doesn't have to be any direct direct manipulation in that. You know, whereas somebody else might say, "Oh, your so as is spasms, your so as is in reaction," and that's where I'm not so sure that's the best way to do it. Okay,
2: so now we're saying and we're in the same place in terms of what's going to resolve this, which is to go back, experience the state, and then experience completing the movement within the state, within that state of.
1: And I don't network. necessarily believe you have to. You have to. You have to re-experience the the state. So I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> But you do have to complete the movement, the expression of these primitive yep. responses, which is either fetal or the sense of, of open uh, startle.
2: Yeah, this is probably not a pathway we want to go down and still stay on the subject, but um, I certainly have seen better results if the person is at or close to the state that they were or when the trauma occurred, and then they complete the motion. It's to me, much more effective than if they simply complete the motion without the resonance of the autonomic state being there.
1: But see, I think the If I I just took somebody,
2: walked in the door, and said, okay, lie down now, complete this movement, um, doesn't do much. Oh, I I disagree. Unless they're they're resonant inside.
1: I disagree. I think that within the expression itself is all the other components, that they all appear. I, I see it. I see it all the time when I work with people. So one is the field. Okay, so my feeling is um, if you're going to work with the psoas, you better know your own really well, okay, because because like anything, there's a resonance. And so uh, there's a way in which the person won't show up unless the field supports that showing up, okay, because it's still not safe. So instinctively, it's still not safe, okay, and it's not a mental process. Oh, I think you're really an expert therapist no, or whatever. Sorry. It's a, it's an you know, okay, so there's that. But then when you com- when you go into I, I watch people do this in the workshop when they go into the expression and they work in this way and they start to I mean I'm not saying just you know roll up in a ball I'm, I'm talking about a process so when they go into the process a, an example is a is a, is a is a body worker in Scotland an older man who'd been in the Korean War and he goes you know I did this exploration with the so as in feel and primitive seed and he said I was amazed I started getting flashbacks. He said, now I've done years of body work. I felt totally resolved. You know, I feel like my system is over that. And here these little elements were starting to percolate up. And they were subtle. And, you know, and, and he was able to stay present with them, which gave a whole nother layer of relaxation to his midline that wasn't there before, to his on and off the nervous system. So, you know, it's nourishing the parasympathetic. I'm really into the parasympathetic. i just I really feel like that's the area, not re evoking or reenactment of the see, I am really clear that reenactment is not resolution.
2: Oh, no no question about that. Reenactment is not resolution. Resolution resolution is resolution. That's right. And the the, the word And release isn't resolution. No, release isn't resolution either. Resolution is to go back into solution which Means that something before was isolated out and it has to go back into being in solution with the rest of the psyche, with the rest of the right? So it's
1: a gel salt kind of thing. It's to me, a you, you, you dissolve, and then in the dissolving, in the um, recapitulation, or however you want to be, invagination is the re that is the gestalt we're talking about in mm-hmm. the beginning. To me, there's a gestalt that happens for people in that process that. I'm, I'm amazed, you know. I'm like in awe of what yeah, happened. I, I would
2: I would love to um, experience that and see how you're doing that. That's uh, I guess the word I would use is cold. People coming in cold, I usually... There are ways of taking people into the parasympathetic, and I sense that you must have a unique way of doing that because my own way of dealing with these unresolved traumatic situations is actually to bring people in sympathetic have them resonate with that event and then have them complete the movement and that carries them very deeply into the parasympathetic but at the moment that they are doing the um, completing that movement they're usually in a very high state of excitement or anxiety or something that's associated with the trauma or molestation or whatever it was that brought this thing around in the first place
1: so this is a really I'm really excited <laughs> Because uh, I really am, because this is really about where I'm at. Like, this is right in what I'm doing, okay? And um, I worked a lot with David Purselli, who's an international trauma expert, and he agrees with me that the moment you're safe, the so let lets go. So I started exploring what creates safety rather than what creates what you're, the process you're, yep. which I think has, you know, total validity. I'm not, you know, So, and one of the things I watched was how animals do it, and I don't mean the shaking part of it, which is also really interesting, but what creates the capacity for animals, mammals, to go in and out of life survival, like you're talking about, you know, you're on the water and all of a sudden this event's happening and you need to respond to it, and then you need to resolve it and be, you know, happy, functioning sailor after that you know but you know like how does that let go of that you know what's that process of letting go and I realized that the process of letting go in animals was the imperative to play and that honed the parasympathetic not the reenactment of the trauma but constantly creating uh, nourishment in the parasympathetic so there was more resiliency because the parasympathetic sympathetic is one system we like to compartmentalize it, but we know it's a you know it's a yeah, continuum. Sure. So as a continuum, there just needs to be more resiliency in the system, more fluidity in the system, so we can resolve that issue, and and find resolution. And so I'm playing a lot in what creates more parasympathetic. What creates safety.
2: Mm-hmm. and play is part. Play and is a big play part. Play is a huge part. Yeah.
1: So play could be your own exploration of a movement Mm -hmm. without trying to fix anything. Mm -hmm. You know, play could be the exploration with someone else. So if I support your foot and I begin to play with your psoas, or if you're a tiny baby and I play with your your foot, you know, and and it activates or it jiggles your psoas, you'll giggle. Adults don't tend to giggle. They tend to get a look in their eye like, oh, where are you? Mm -hmm. You know, but so I'm accessing that play from external. So I'm not, I'm not entering into it. I'm staying here and holding the field for mm-hmm. you to then reconnect. That's how I
2: do it. Yep. I'm not going to argue with it because I think we're so much at the beginning of this idea of resolving trauma. We've had men coming home from wars and women coming out of the horrible things to which women are subject Um, in families and in society and we've called it shell shock and we've called it battle fatigue and we've called it these post-traumatic stress uh, uh, today's current Mm -hmm. piece Um, but we really don't know as a society how to deal with these things yet and so there's a lot of exploration going on uh, with John Scare and did you say you David Berselli, as, as an international
1: Burselli. trauma, you know, he's lived in war zones all over the world, and you know, he's come up with a system that evokes the shaking through the large muscles of the body. Mm-hmm. But, but where are where what he's taught me about? and I think that for the average person, um, I think the nervous system is really subtle, uh, and picks up, you know, and and likes to habituate. It's good at patterning. You know, it's mm-hmm. very good at patterning so so i try yeah exactly exactly and so i find like the shaking for most people they get kind of addicted to it like oh wow why aren't i getting more shaking why would you want to you know, <laughs> you
0: know
1: like i so i like flow i like i like uh, to find the flows in the system where you start to undulate and that takes us to you know the SOAS is about full body orgasm so the only way full body orgasm can happen is at the midline from the tail to the The cranium is in flow, and then there's a a body organism. There's about
0: three things. So I do want to say that it's not
1: just (laughs) about fear. The the, the midline is also about pleasure. And so what makes us thrive, not just about what makes us survive. And I think we have an imperative as an organism to thrive, Mm -hmm. as equal to the need
2: Okay, so let me... There's about three things in there that I would love to take off on each, which would take us in a different direction. But let me start with the shaking because I'm sticking with the thing that we were talking about earlier about how how do these things resolve. And I'm way prepared to watch what you're doing with play and to observe and see whether that's doing what I would call resolution or not.
0: Or
1: experience it. Or experience I <laughs> uh,
2: can't do that right this second, so yeah. let's keep going. I When I find somebody... When somebody gets into that whole body, large muscle shaking, um, I regard that as a positive sign because shaking is what? It's going back and forth very quickly in the state of whatever muscles are involved. And it's going back and forth between the accelerator and the brake. And um, the brake says no, and the accelerator says go, and you've got no go going all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is the state that I find many, many people in the Western world, already in, um, whether they are, quote-unquote, traumatized or not. We've all been traumatized by our youth or by (laughs) our lack of truth or lack of spiritual connection or whatever. Um, So that when I get to that shaking, I say, okay, there's some kind of... I am absolutely agree with you, sympathetic and parasympathetic. People make a great division of it, but it's a seesaw. You can't have one half of a seesaw without the other half there. They're absolutely working with each other it's a very complex thing that's going on but when somebody gets to that shaking I do have a uh, feeling inside myself that that having a foot down on the brake and the foot down on the accelerator you you may be look calm you may think <laughs> your car may not be going down the road but you're ruining your brakes and you're ruining your engine uh, all the time that you have the accelerator and the brake down. so when it just give me a second. so when it unravels and that goes on i regard that as a positive sign but it only takes one two in certain cases three times of doing that it's done yes. if people are getting addicted to that and doing it again and again they are not resolving the drama they are simply re-
0: reenacting, re-enacting mm-hmm. the and
1: david would say that you know david was shocked the way americans uh consume <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so when he brought this work and, 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 and he's now working, you know, he works with a lot of Iraqi vets and, you know, he works in all different climates and tribal and uh, rescue workers and stuff, but when he saw how Americans... You know, the average American body worker <laughs> took it on, and it, it, he he was amazing. The need for it to consume something. Right. Oh, that's a, a little bit's good. Let's do more. Right. You know, and so he would never use it that way.
2: So we're we're drunk on trauma in this country.
1: Yes, and and we use it we use it as a way to evolve. I think, uh, uh, and we need to stop. We we need to stop that as a way of human being to evolve, and the species is traumatized, mm-hmm. and so we're in reenactment. Throughout the world, I mean, the species itself is, in my estimation, is a reenactment, and David would concur with that. But so, so the issue I was saying is, I think the organism does naturally shake, and it it, all the work with the shaking was relevant to for people to wake up and recognize that their client, if they began to shake, didn't need calming, that that was a natural response in the organism. So great, you know. When I first started this, I had no idea what I was doing, and when I'd be in constructive rest. My system would shake like crazy, yep. and it just did that. It, yep. You know, so fine, no problem with that. But after the shaking comes an undulation. Yes, there yes. comes a flow, right? Yes. It's like to me, I wouldn't use a mechanical model of brakes and stuff. I would use uh, like a river, and how a river when it hits up against a barrier will create turbulence, and there'll be a turbulence in the system. And so there's like it falls back on itself, and there's this. Turbulence, and then when it finds its resolution through
2: finding another way of moving, it starts when
1: the it, it, it melts when yeah. the
2: impedance is taken away. Then it starts flowing right. again. Yeah, got yeah. no, no problem with that. Yeah. Um,
1: so there were just, some other things you wanted to go into it. I don't know. Well,
2: no, no, we're there now. So that would take us that once the undulation appears, that is at least a highly sensual and um, ultimately a sexual experience. I'm very much of the old with his methods, uh, but of the old Reikian idea, I know my disturbed clients are getting better when they start having a successful sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. They might be having that sexual relationship with themselves, or they might be having it with somebody else, Um, but it's a mark of health.
1: Absolutely. I agree. um, um,
2: I don't know if we're going to go there about discussing the psoas in, in its role in sex, but just in sensuality, the Um, nerves that go there um, and the the movements that uh, are associated with full body orgasm are very much tied up with the psoas and all the muscles around the pelvis um, the psoas principally and so I I just take it as a mark of oh yes, this person's getting healthier when they start having a healthy sexual relationship and I'm I'm afraid the converse is true that uh, people are holding sex away or Somehow not finding expression inside themselves, oh. that it's very hard to find that undulation. It's very hard to find that flow um,
0: toward health. So I
1: work with the undulation as a movement itself, and and in um, not not to evoke it, but when it appears to, so uh, to uh, to uh, to long. Um, and so one of the areas that I work with is, for instance, the partner of the psoas, um, which I consider a partner, is the latissimus dorsi, Because the ability to long uh, like a baby who roots is one that comes out. In other words, it's not about something coming in. So to go back to the idea of my reasons for why I've been pretty adamant about um, saying that there's other avenues of exploration that I think are more conducive Mm -hmm. to supporting the expression of the psoas, Mm -hmm. is this idea that the the organism, it goes into itself when it's overwhelmed, and that the ability to come to be curious and to move out and to explore and to long is part of play, Mm -hmm. and is part of this more what you would call the the um, the external expression, you know, so the connection of this deep line to this lateral spiral, you know, expression mm-hmm. of the organism, I'm connecting those two, and and it it happens for me through uh, safety in this expression of longing, and and I, I notice that people are terrified to. Me. They have a there's a in other words when the system is overwhelmed there's a there's a you know so we I actually play with that expression and I think expression does move energy and therefore you know it evokes the memory mm-hmm. it evokes the, the feeling quality um, but what people tend to go towards and at least in this culture is the pain they want to stick with that and so I teach people how to go towards in other words, while you're having this, there's other things going on that are pleasurable. And yet, you're not necessarily identifying with those, or sensing those, or or, or allowing yourself to be part of that. And so, this goes back to the parasympathetic sympathies that I just want to complete. Is that there's a, there's a, it, it, this is why I work in the way that I do. Is I think that this is, it's very self-empowering. It, it doesn't, it's not sorry to say, a top-down model, mm-hmm. which is someone fixes you or works with you to make you better, It they support this expression not by moving you through something, but by supporting it and allowing it to blossom. The same way you can't make a flower blossom by pulling on it. I think you can't allow the psoas to be fully expressive unless it, it feels completely safe in itself, unrelated to... Okay,
2: but I think
1: okay, if... Sorry. I, that was
2: my piece. Great. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, then, and so let's go to this thing of manipulation. I, eventually, before we stop this I want to get back to the SI joint. Okay. Um, and SI so joint dysfunction. Because it relates to why I would think manipulation of the psoas is a good idea. Okay. Um, but you, the statement that you just made presumes that the psoas, like the caterpillar, is going to withdraw from the uh, attempt to feel it. I think if the attempt to feel it is playful and I think if the attempt to feel it allows the motion on the part of the client uh, and stays right away from that pain, I'm, you, you said it's, uh, I won't go to this, you said it was uh, hard for people to feel longing or yearning or that deep, uh, some deep need for reconnection and we... We tend in this culture, and I'm sorry to separate Europeans from Americans here, but i certainly do, working in both places, find a difference, that the European culture with a a more depth, just longer depth in the culture, is uh, happier sitting with that feeling of yearning and and, uh, a question. That's Rilke's thing. Live with the questions, and you might one day live through to the answer, but Americans don't want to live through the answers they want the answer right now. Uh, second day air, UPS, um, deliver it to my door. Uh, and, and, uh, charge it, please. Thank you very much. Um, but the the idea of sitting with something that you are going to long for for years and years and that you might not find it, People, uh, Americans think that it's easy to tell the truth. And only real artists know how hard it is to tell the truth. It takes years to tell the truth. It takes much, much soul-searching to be able to actually tell the truth um, because we lie to each other and ourselves in, in so many ways. But the um, that feeling of, of longing and reaching out to a, the trouble that I'm having with this is not what you're doing with the Zohar. I think that's absolutely wonderful. But that you're stuck in a model of manipulation of the psoas that you call top-down or somebody reaching in to fix it uh, that may be more about the kind of manipulation of the psoas that was going on 30 years ago and really isn't current. Um, I don't reach in there and poke the psoas.
0: Yay! <laughs> uh,
2: the idea that you were talking about...
0: Um, well, watch videos on YouTube of manipulation of the psoas and release of the psoas and it's
1: still stuff on it.
2: Yes. Oh, no, I know it's still going on.
1: That's that's all I'm referring to. Yes, and that's what we're clearing up, isn't it? This is the camaraderie of recognizing that both of us are, I think, talking very similar in our respect.
2: Yes, and you're absolutely right. 30 years ago when I started, that's exactly how I was taught by Ederoth, and that's that's exactly what I did. You know, damn the organs. Full speed ahead. It's retroperitoneal, but who cares? You know, we're (laughs) going to get that (laughs) some bitch and get it to relax. (laughs) 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 And... um, the thing, that I, the thing that I don't like about what I'm, mm-hmm. or, you know, that I want to engage with of, of the things that you're saying is, yes, the psoas is a tongue. Yes, it's like the tongue, but I manipulate the tongue too. And the diaphragm it is a physiological muscle, but I touch the diaphragm too, because this is such a touch star uh, culture and the ability of touch to affect all kinds of structures, not just muscular ones, mm-hmm. facial ones, organic ones, the brain itself through cranial, that um, it is so worthwhile to, I'm going to put it this way, allow something to be touched. Not to go in and poke it, but to allow something to be touched. That proprioceptive feedback. You can't move what you can't feel. Now, you have your way of going in and making so as. Eliciting, eliciting,
1: feeling from e- the inside out.
2: Evoking, eliciting, yep. Um, and I would say that way, our way, since I run a school, um, of manipulating the psoas, is that same kind of elicitation or evoking, inviting um, movement, but inviting movement through a nonverbal touch. Mm -hmm. But, and and there are a few things that, if we get into the specifics of anatomy, that I would argue, for instance, the iliac fascia that goes between the iliacus and the psoas, Mm I'm so glad that we've gotten through this whole conversation without saying the word iliozoas, which is the one that I hate because the iliacus is a completely different muscle, uh, completely different function. But the there is fascia that runs between the two that in the case of trauma, especially in but this case, I'm talking about just inflammation in the intestines, for instance, can uh, create um, either shortening or just sticking of this sasha and then the iliacus and the psoas are stuck together and simply won't move independently mm-hmm. in fact it can in the, in the more extreme cases pull the psoas away from the spine towards the iliacus because the iliacus can't move off the hip bone so the psoas is moved laterally and that changes the action of the psoas on the hip and on the spine um and i do think it's worth that, that would be a manipulation, a kind of top-down. I'm going to come in and change this with you, not for you, not on you, not to you. Um, it's, it's always an invitation. But that there are a couple of things where I, that one in particular, where I think um, some manipulation is, of the, in the usual sense of manipulation, is called for. But most of the time... In the same way that I would work with the tongue, it's simply to provide sensory feedback for those parts that are not working.
1: So what if you could get that sensory feedback to the psoas without going that deep? And I don't know exactly how you do it, So, and un- I'm kind of asking inquisitive. Like, what if you could get it from the foot? Because as you know, you're reverberating something, right? Sure, sure, through sure. the whole system. So okay. why, if you could get the exact same thing in the ankle, the same evoking, the same invitation, would you then actually approach it more directly?
2: Well, I'm going to do, who knows that human life is so short, and I've been at this for 30 years, and I I had a a moment with Ideroff. um, It was in her last advanced class that she gave. I was a student in the class, and um, by this time, she was in a wheelchair. um, She could walk, but uh, she was, six months from dying. Anyway, um, uh, we had a tea break and everybody left the room and I just went over to her and asked her if she'd like a cup of tea. And you don't often get somebody like that alone by themselves. And so I chose that moment to ask her, how does it feel? Invented this work and worked long and hard to get it up there. And now clearly it will live on after you. It's, you It's an established piece. How does that feel? And she kind of, waved her hand at me dismissively and gave me an exasperated look and said, I was just getting going and my body gave out. Um, and I, now at, in my sixties, I have that same feeling. Oh my God, I'm just figuring this out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I only have, I have no idea of course how many days you I have at left. least 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm <laughs> planning to have that, but one never knows, does one. Um, but the, uh, a human life is so short, and one just gets to figure it out. And sure, I get changes from the psoas from working the ankle. And sure, I get uh, changes in the psoas from working the diaphragm or the ribs or the neck. And I also get changes in the psoas by working the psoas. Why take that off the table would be my return question to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Why, why is it okay to manipulate the tibialis anterior and the erector spinae and the quadratus lumborum, but not the psoas? Mm-hmm. Because I,
1: I... I... I think it has to do with the integrity of the human organism, and and I and maybe it's uh, uh blindsided on my side, um, but what I see, of course, you know, I also have people who come to me who have been manipulated, and I see the manipulation. I see things like uh, broken arteries, uh, where the arteries have been broken and um, uh, they've bled into their abdominal wall, and and there's, um, I see things like uh, bruising and uh, hernias, and so, you know, I I see a lot of damage from people manipulating someone else's sewing. So I, you know, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about... No, no, I'll
2: plead guilty as charged to that. I, I do understand that, but as a... Um, I've seen
1: some horrendous things.
2: But that's no more from the psoas. I've seen diaphragms that were herniated, I've uh, heard of hyoid bones that were broken, I've heard of people getting Bell's palsy from working too hard on the face. You're just talking about working too hard.
1: Well, I'm talking about that, that people, I don't think, have a, have a, a right, so to speak to enter someone's most intimate aspect of themselves. And to me, once you're at the midline, you're, you're as close to the core as you can be, mm-hmm. okay, yep. of another human being. I think there's something... Um, I think there's a couple things. I think that people are afraid for other people. Uh, I think it ignites, in other words, we want to help. You know, there's an impulse to help someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's the financial You know, need to solve the problem so the yep. person comes back or does it, you know, I just want to open that invitation to people to look at that dynamic you know?
2: No no question with that what, but my question to you is what um,
1: why you wouldn't know, you work that deeply? Because well I work
2: inside people's I put my finger inside people's nose I work in the mouth when I worked, it's outside of my scope of practice here but when I was in Europe I worked intravaginally and intra-analy. Um that work done sensitively uh, is just an extension of what we're doing everywhere else, which is saying this culture is out of touch. This person is out of touch. Yeah, Let's but I wouldn't enter in I touch.
1: I wouldn't see I wouldn't enter them in that way to get them back in touch. That's mm-hmm. where we philosophically you know, I wouldn't. Yeah. Do that.
2: But you're entering them with your words. You're entering them with your concepts. See trying to create an internal change you're just using a different tool you're using your no tools. i'm not
1: trying to enter them i'm trying to hold space so they can come out okay but, uh, that's I, a huge I, difference i think it's a really huge difference i in it and you know i mean we're probably at the end of our time um for this conversation but but i think that's really philosophically huge i am not looking to enter them that is a male concept and i have been I know. To me, it, it, it evokes a going in towards something, and I'm not putting down nails. Yeah, yeah, I I love great. being penetrated. Um, so I'm not. I'm,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not I'm, I'm, I'm not. I just want to make
1: that clear I'm, far, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm
2: far more of a woman than my wife, so no, no
1: problem there. <laughs> but, but in other words, I don't need to go in to bring out. I need to hold space to allow. And once again, I want to say the flower is a beautiful example. I really don't think that you create allow a flower to blossom by saying it needs somebody to go in there and pull its petals open. No, it needs the nourishment, it needs the right environment, and then it simply lets go.
2: Okay, nice image. However, in a human being, you get these areas that are forgotten. If you don't all physiological on you. If you don't stimulate nerve endings, then they don't get a representation in the brain. If they don't get a representation of the brain, you can't organize a movement there. This is not just a good idea, it's the law. And so, if you are going to break this, what Hannah called the sensory motor amnesia cycle, you have to reach in with your words.
1: No, they have to reach in with their awareness. Okay. But- Yes. Okay, that's but, all right, but there, so you have choices. It's choice It's only a choice about it's
2: only a choice about method
1: But what I'm saying is is that there's choices you can reach into yourself and evoke sensation and uh-huh. grow awareness Yeah, which is why I call my work core awareness You can have someone else reach in and awaken something. There's choices that's all I want to present. It's not an either or. People don't have to say this is the only way or my way is the only way or your way is the yeah, only yeah. way. But that there's choices and you can invoke different things. And and so it's not the only way. To, it's not absolutely necessary to manipulate or mm-hmm. to go in to evoke that. There is the capacity to do it oneself, to reawaken through But the movement. trouble
2: is with doing it oneself is one does it oneself out of the same precepts and perceptions that one has That's oneself. why the field so, is so So, so you important. have to get them to feel something new.
1: No, you don't have to get them. They need... They have the, they have any, the desire to get it. So, how do they get it? They can get it through a field of awareness mm-hmm. from someone else. you know, Or many people mm-hmm. in a group setting. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's various ways to evoke the climate in which safety is simply there. Yeah. And... The invitation, uh, or the the conditions in which opening, like a flower, are there in mm-hmm. terms of the nourishment, the you know there's a there, you can do it either way. I'm, I'm not.
2: I'm in utter agreement with you about that. And I, I and, as,
1: and if you have a certain you know you have a certain profession and this is what you do, you have a certain time to do it in. I understand the dynamics, but I you know I, I just simply don't. With that, that's the only you know that it has to do it this way. You don't, you don't, you can do it other ways. I've done that. I'm a a product of that. You don't have to do it that way. A product—that was a mechanical term, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) With an expiration date.
2: (laughs) You don't have to do it that way. You don't have to do it anyway. What I um, would love to change your mind about is that uh, when you characterize any kind of manipulation around the Zohaz or these delicate things, you do it with images of rape. Uh, male entering, forcing upon, and I just don't experience the manipulation that I'm doing as a form of rape. I've, 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 that's a good point. I I'm manipulate that. it as, I, I see it as a form of evocation, and I don't see much difference between you doing it with words and me doing it with my hands, as long as you're, I've seen p- more people damaged by words. Than I've seen damaged by hands,
1: right? And you're assuming I do it with words, and I don't.
2: Okay, but okay, but I've okay. seen people damaged in group process. I've seen people all the all the things that you talk about a field, uh, a field of a group can be can be positive or can be negative. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Nut and, uh, a field of a group of human beings can be an extraordinary. Uh, absolutely,
1: thing. No, so no.
2: so why isolate touch and say, oh, that's the negative thing? That's- no, I love
1: touch, and I love touch, and and. Um, I just think that when it comes to this midline, what I see in people is, um, how do I want to say it? it it's not a. I, I do associate rolfing with rape. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I used to say people come in and say, "Have you been Roth? And so, you know. I mean, that was thirty years ago. With you know, and to yep. me they look pride open. You know, and yeah. and so my book, you know, I was really reactive, and I I, I know it's totally changed. You know, and. And I don't see that anymore. And, you know, I don't. But know. no,
2: it's still happening. I'm not. I'm not. It, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to defend that kind of thing. I, I and, you know, as, and was raped myself, and I, I don't want that kind of thing. But that, that's not this. You can't dismiss the whole field by that.
1: And and you're concept. right. And so I, I take, I take issue. I mean, I hear you. I hear that. and you Um, you have penetrated my brain here with a new concept and, um, and how delicious. So I will, I will hang out with that for a while and see what I can do with that. Um, but I mean, that's why I invited this conversation is because I'm not opposed to it and it it always gets into this either or, and it's not an either or. I just want to invite the conversation that I think, you know, I think the, I don't know how to say it except that the 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 the, the, the primativeness of the organism is what I'm really interested in is what supports that expression of thriving. And and if we think we're fixing someone or going to help them wake up or do be different or whatever it is heal or whatever that in that is a, a seed of there's something wrong and when the person is is supported to to emerge, and that doesn't mean they can't be getting body work. I'm not. I love touch. I love body. I've had lots of you know, mm-hmm. body work. Um, it, I think it's the spirit in which we do it. Maybe we're getting down to is mm-hmm. the spirit in which we enter this relationship with someone else, and and what we think we're
2: doing mm-hmm.
1: in that spirit
2: of life. Absolutely. People who enter the therapeutic profession and I, I, the, the place where I really love what you're doing and wish I didn't need to do the job that I do is we should be doing so much more for our children to have them be embodied. Anything like structural integration, rolfing, the kind of remedial body work um, is Not yet far enough upstream if we corrected these things corrected is even the wrong word if we simply educated our children differently so that they lived fully in their bodies um, and this is the challenge of the 21st century we are creating a world which is electronic i don't know how you feel about your children but my my child um lives totally within an electronic world and would be lost without it Mm -hmm. and we're sitting here overlooking the natural beauty of, of California, and um, a lot of the children are not out engaging with that naturalness in anything other than uh, seeing it on their screensaver. And um, I love the kids. My daughter is way emotionally more mature at her age than I was at her age, and uh, she cares for her friends in a wonderful way. Uh, but as a generation, in terms of how inhabiting the body, dealing with the natural world, understanding the sort of history that led us here. I I guess I'm speaking for all adults here when they do that, but I kind of fear for the next generation of the kind of alienation from the somatic from occupying their soma. So for me to undertake somebody who's 30, 40 years old and to try to do a repair job on how their body functions is way after... And I mostly mostly worked while I had a full-time practice with upper-middle-class neurotics uh, who could afford to pay for this and not with the people who needed it most and not with the kind of education of the children. So now that I have achieved maturity and a little bit of economic security, I am using my time now to try to educate, um, to to, to try to bring about a change in our physical education so that right from the get-go, Parents need to be taught how to handle the children. You see them being dragged through the supermarket by their hand. You see them jacked into car seats. You see them on these stupid uh,
1: Well, a lack of seats. touch. Um, a lack of touch as well. A lack of touch, but and a lack of functional movement. A lack of functional movement and a lack of uh, touch. And, and just to, so we can kind of close up here, yeah. I think... Um, I, I, I want to just say one other thing about inhabiting the body. I personally don't believe we inhabit the body. I, I feel that we are body. That, that we are not an object. We are a living process. And so the interaction or the, the dynamic relationship is not one of object. Uh, so we don't, you know, it, it's we are. We are that expression. So, I'm really looking at expression in my work, I'm looking at what evokes neutrality in the core,
0: and, um, and uh, allowing
1: allowing space and time, which is for children as well. When I, you know, with my own children, so the the expression is to me a full body expression, you know, just as we don't exercise the tongue as a as a, one muscle or no animal does isolates muscle <laughs> and does abdominal crunches. You yep. know, we're a full expression. And that's where I see the, the so as a as a messenger of mm-hmm. of coherency. We're either coherent or we're not. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of my summit
2: Great. You'll get no argument from me there. I the first Thing that I do in most classes is to say we are not put together like Fords or Dell computers. Oh, no, we do too. We're, we're, <laughs> we're grown from a seed. We are yeah. much more like a plant than we are like a Ford.
1: We
0: are a plant. And you know? So, uh, yeah, if I use
2: the if I use the language of having a body, then that was my error, and, and uh, I'm right in agreement with you, we are our
1: movement. Well, thank you everybody for joining us and. Uh, You'd like to hear a, a Q&A time while well, we may
0: follow up with something like that. So I'm gonna stop now. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, thank you.